0: Hey guys, welcome to episode four of Before, During and After. Today I am joined by Ben John, um, now known as A.K.A. The Rugby Trainer. Um, Firstly, Ben, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, Really appreciate your time. Um, For anyone that doesn't know you, can you just give a a quick introduction on yourself, mate?
1: Yeah, firstly, mate, uh, thanks for asking me to come on. Awesome. and uh, Yeah, so I'm... Ben, John, I've got um, an Instagram page, The Rugby Trainer, so I do a lot of rugby coaching. Um, and, yeah, I used to be a professional rugby player. retired when I was 26, 27, and the last three years then I was a P, uh, personal trainer and and since lockdown in the UK, decided then to uh, finish PT and do a lot more rugby coaching. So, uh, yeah, at the moment I'm uh, the rugby trainer.
0: The rugby trainer, mate. Oh, look, like, and, and I, the, the content you put out there, mate, is... Uh, is really really good i think yeah obviously because of lockdown a lot of things i've trained when it comes to rugby training and all that, that one-on-one stuff or small groups um and when you've got professionals that have played at the top level and, and have got a bit of different in their coaching to the local guys that do the under eights normally i think um people uh, learn massively and do notice a big difference so yeah like you said mate you've uh, you retired at 26 um but before we get to your professional career, how did you get into rugby? Where were you playing your juniors, your school, um, and right at the beginning?
1: Yeah, so started off. Um, I was big into football and cricket when I was a kid, um, and then my, I got an older brother, so whatever he did, I wanted to do as well. So he started rugby, and then a couple of months later, um, there was a junior section in Lacha, which is my local village, um, that. Started So then I wanted to play for them. So my father took me up there to play for Lacha and um started at under 11. So it was that, yeah, it was a year six, six in school, yeah. UK school. So I um, started on 11s and worked then all the way to Swansea school boys under 15s. Yep. Um, and then from that, then I got selected to play for Ospreys. Osprey's in the 16s and Wales in the 16s. And then at the end of that season, I uh, was picked then for the academy at 16. And then uh, signed my first professional contract then at uh, 18. Then so, um, yeah, so, yeah, you went through the traditional, you went through the age groups, um,
0: played a couple of other sports when you, when you were younger, but uh, rugby obviously took over pretty quickly. Did you always
1: play in the centres when you were a young fella or? Yeah, so yeah, as you say, I went through the the pathway, and yeah, I always played thirteen. So um, yeah, it was a mixture of twelve and thirteen, but mostly yeah, thirteen since I was since I can remember. Since was that 11, 12, Whenever position started, that's when I uh, started yeah. as thirteen. Yeah, perfect, mate. And then
0: um, academy training with the Ospreys, were you doing like is a once a week, three times a week? Is it every morning or oh. Uh, it's a while ago now
1: eh? yeah yeah so yeah it was every morning um, so fair play to my mum she used to drop me there before school and then go then to must have been college then Swansea College so yeah I'd go straight to college um, yeah it was mostly every morning it was weights and skills uh, and then you in the evenings then you play for your your age grade so that would be the 16s 18s um, twice a week maybe yeah uh, yeah um, and then, obviously, you had so much rugby back then. I had college, and school, I had club, yeah. uh, Ospreys. So, he's a lot, a lot of rugby, which is great. And uh, I remember the days where you were playing for college at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and then your youth then yeah. at, uh, at 1 o'clock. That's mad, isn't it? To think that it used to happen. Like, I, I was a
0: Brinteg boy, and you play, like, yeah, your, your A's and B's in the morning, and then you go and play for the half in the afternoon. Yeah, it, it wouldn't happen these days. You can't get kids to play play a full game, let alone two.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. So you said you signed your first professional contract, obviously with the Ospreys, when you were eighteen years old. Um, was the when was, did you make your debut? Were you at eighteen or?
1: Yes, yeah, so yeah, uh, signed 18, and then um, the good thing is if you're back and you're in academy, you can play senior rugby when you're 17. So when I turned 17, I, I went to um, I played for Lacha first, so the, my local team's first team, and then I went to Aberavon, then which is a semi-professional side. I played with them, who were feeder club to the Ospreys, so played for them uh, until I was about 18. I played my first game there and came off the bench against Leeds. Uh, Leeds Carnegie. Yeah, uh, that's my cat. I'm sorry, it's my cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was that a like British and Irish Cup or something like that? Was it or? Yeah, it was uh, the LV Cup back in the in the day, and um, it was quite cool actually. I came off the bench, and I had to cover flanker because one of the guys got yellow carded. I uh, think it was Ben Lewis got yellow carded, so I had to I had to scrum down, and uh, who was number eight it was Jerry Collins, which was pretty sweet. Yeah, Pretty wow. cool. So, um, yeah, packing down with him, he had to tell me where to put my head and put, put my arms and stuff. So uh, it's quite funny, but yeah, cool, cool yeah. memory.
0: He'd be yeah. a, a very uh, cool person to play with. You'd always feel safe around him, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, incredible player. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite. It was quite funny because I was young and I was tall and skinny, so I had to. The, the tops were so baggy on me. I had to tape the old school tape the arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Before we get into the Osprey side of things
0: then, mate, um, you, you touched on there, obviously played for your local team, Lacha, and you played for Aberavon. Um, How were your time with those two clubs? You spent a year at
1: Aberavon, did you? Yeah, so I played four games for Lucha. Um I think we played, could have played for Jan Athletic, I think we, because when they Don't dropped down. I think we won, yeah. <laughs> I actually, did. I think I kicked the winning kick. <laughs> <laughs> You've been practicing this, one, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we did play at uh, Bruggenna and we beat them, uh, down in the, the villa we called it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, play for our and then from, uh, that was my chosen club so anytime I didn't get selected for the Ospreys I would go and play for them. So I played for them from the age of 17 all the way up to, I think I actually played my last game for Abraham and two um the one game before I re- I retired. So yeah, okay. Um so yeah, that was like my club. If I wanted some game time and I wasn't getting it for the Ospreys, I would go back there and play. Uh so yeah, Abraham incredible club. Um, yeah, it's
0: very well family orientated club. We've got a lot of friends there. I don't know. Um, you know, Johnny Phillips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, he's actually best man of my wedding and he's he he, he he just he praises the club week yeah, in, week out, that. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing club, and uh, Andrew Vaughan was uh, was um, the the man behind it all. He's uh, he's a, such a great guy. Yeah, yeah, a great. Club
0: so yeah, you, you um obviously were still playing with a semi-professional before you you started making um a, a bit of an impact there at the Ospreys. Um, for obviously the, the names you mentioned there, when you joined the Ospreys, they were they were full of uh, full of the stars those years when they
1: yeah they were they were fully loaded it was, it was, yeah I remember being the academy uh, player coming upstairs going to the cafe and then you had on one table you had all like the Galacticos you had uh, as they called yeah, them, yeah. Gavin Ensign um, Mike Phillips Shane Williams uh, Tommy Bow, um, Lee Byrne and then on the other table then you had like Justin Marshall uh, Jerry Collins and all that lot so mm. uh, all the New Zealand lads and yeah incredible uh players to to look up to and we used to train against them as well. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was quality as, as a kid coming through.
0: Yeah, mate, the, um, some of the names you just mentioned, they were with the highlight of rugby and, the, and they had uh, such a good spell there at the Ospreys as well. Was there any players, did they do a lot with the academy back then, like individual
1: players? Did you work, get to work with any of those guys or? um no, what we used to do though is on a, like a on a Tuesday or Thursday we used to get brought in as a backline, um, and then we used to run our plays plays like say Treviso or Saracens or whatever would potentially run against the other uh, starting. Yeah, um, you know, we used to run plays against them, so that was amazing just to do that. And uh, we we had a quite a good back, well we had a very good backline uh, against them as well, we, like sort of like Reese Webb, Dan Baker, um Who else was there? Um, Ashley Beck. So they had a very good, you know, it was two very good uh, outfits there playing against each other. Playing
0: against each other. And then obviously you guys came through and I'm sure training against them worked obviously because you kept a strong squad then. How many games did you end up playing for the Ospreys,
1: Ben? So I played around, what was that, 80 odd games for the, um, maybe 70 odd games for the Ospreys. Um, And then I played five for the Dragons. I went on loan there. Um but yeah but that's that's yeah that's about it yeah. Yeah. 80 something professional games. Yeah
0: well any um any games that stand out for you obviously um you spoke you you've hung up the boots now. Um you probably don't try to reflect on it too much but is there any games that stuck out for you memorable games during your
1: career? Um yeah ju- Judgment Day in uh, Millennium Stadium was amazing. We played Cardiff and, um, yeah, I had, uh, had a pretty de- I had a good game then. Um, and it was that season, that, that season where it was, we had about, we got to the semi-final of Pro 12 and it was about, um, yeah, about four or five games in a row where I, I performed, performed well. And, um, yeah, I remember most of them games quite, quite, quite well. Quite
0: well, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if I was, I remember a couple of years back, obviously when I was watching a lot of rugby back home, you, you never actually got a, a, an international cap do you, but there was a lot of talk at one point, I think, of you, of you making it into the Welsh squad. Do I remember that rightly?
1: Yeah, that was right. It was, it was that season I played a few good games um, and there was talks about being involved in like the, the World Cup uh, wider squad. But yeah, I didn't, uh, the centres back then were, they were well, still are now but they, they were class they had Jamie Roberts John Davis, Scott Williams um some yeah quality centers and his only uh, yeah so yeah I didn't get anything I picked but um that was that was my goal and my aim so I uh, was always trying to trying to get in, involved in that
0: yeah 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 well yeah I can remember that and like you said there those these were the um the centers not just for a year week in, in and out, the, those guys held their positions for, for many years and, and, and took Wales to some good places, mate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you say, you signed at 18 and had to hang up the boots at uh, 26, 27, so eight, nine years playing full-time professional. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you didn't go out on your own terms, I guess, with injury. Um, talk us through the decision to hang up the boots due to concussion.
1: Yeah, it was it was obviously obviously really tough decision, uh, but what made it a lot harder as well. But beginning of my career around about, um, I finished the twenties, so around twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, I was I was constantly getting injured as well. So um, uh, I've got a little a couple of niggly uh, niggly injuries, where it's like nerve damage and the things that take a long time, and it was really frustrating. So I, I spent a lot of time out. Um, and when I came back, then I wasn't playing very well for for a season or maybe more. Uh, so, yeah, from the age of about 22 to 24, I wasn't playing very well. And that's when I was spending a lot of time playing down Aberavon because I wasn't um, wasn't as playing as well as, as the Ospreys would want me to to um, be selected. So, And then I, I went then to the Dragons. Um, and then I felt then moving to the Dragons for five, six games. I got injured at the Dragons as well. So, <laughs> But it was four or five games where I felt as if I, yeah, re- Thought about what I'm doing and why I'm playing rugby and setting my goals a little bit differently so I can, yeah, push on and try and uh, improve a lot more and try and make that Ospreys team if I went, when I went back. Um, so when I came back then, I started playing a lot better and I started playing regularly. Um, and then that's when I started then having a few uh, concussions and um, just the more concussions I was getting, the, the, the least amount, um, the longer it's me to recover. And that, that, that made it a lot harder because I was playing well when I was playing. Um, but again, I was just, um, just, yeah, again, injury after injury. And the final one then was the, uh, it was a Boxing Day derby uh, against the Scarletts got knocked out. Um, and then I decided then to take a year out just to try and fully recover and try and, um, yeah, try and, First of all, make sure my health is is, is fully um, yeah is fully restored and I'm, I'm in a good place because uh, it was that was about two year period of just playing a game, getting knocked out, spending a long time out of the game. Because before that year stint out, I, I had six months out anyway just to try and recover. Yeah, and before that, it was a few months before that as well. So I, I had three or four concussions where I had long periods of recovery and rest, and then by that last one, I thought, right. Well, long time out to see if it works and see if it helps and my contract was up as well um, so I thought right, if I stay in, involved in the game uh, if I sign another contract I know for a while I'll probably be itching to be back and it will probably yeah. push me uh, to, to try and speed up the recovery process um, so I decided to move away uh, I went I uh, moved to London for a year just to um, yeah, just to get out of the environment and hopefully recover. So I did personal training, um, but yeah, we'll probably get to that now. But yeah, that was the the build up to that decision yeah. of the year out. Yeah. So
0: you had you you just it wasn't just the one concussion. It was a build up of concussions over two or three seasons, and as you said, obviously um, the side effects were, were getting worse, holding there a little bit longer, um, and for people like. I like to touch on this. Obviously, I said to you myself, I had a fair few concussions, and I, I think sometimes people get a little bit confused with just a head knock and an actual concussion. Like, can you just talk on a couple of the side effects that you were affected by when, when you were when you were having these concussions? Ben.
1: Yeah. So um, the worst ones were when my, it was weird when my heart rate went up. Um, my vision was going quite blurry. I couldn't focus. Yeah. So um yeah, my heart rate as soon as my heart rate went up, my uh I couldn't focus on the ball when I was running, everything was like, whoa, like that. Um, and as well as I had a headache, I constantly had headaches, bright lights as well. Every time I was driving a car in the evening, like I had to wear like sunglasses because the lights are just so bright. Yeah. Um always used to struggle with patterns as well. Any patterns made me feel dizzy and sick. Um and yeah, just constantly being in the fog. And the worst, worst one was just concentration. It's, it's a lot better now. But like, if I was sitting t- chatting to you now, I would just yeah just drift zone off, out. And
0: drift, zone out, yeah, yeah. zone
1: out, go into my own head, and just I don't know, just listen to myself in my head rather than being present, present, present. Then, yeah,
0: yeah. would um, so
1: be like, go on. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Um. Yeah. Just. Yeah. That. And um. I got to a point where where I was. Like, say, for example, um, uh, on a Monday, I'd feel good. I had no headaches at all. And then I would train on a Monday just to test it out. So I'd go on a bike or whatever. And then it would take me four or five days after to recover from that. Just I'd have headaches. My symptoms would just flare up. So it was just a vicious cycle of, right, I'd feel good. And I'd go on a bike now and just take over, see if that works. And then I'd just have headaches after that for days. And then I'd start that process again. And I just that's why it took so long to recover, is because I couldn't just the symptoms wouldn't wouldn't yeah, budge. And I think yeah. you the word you described it
0: there is constantly in a fog. Um and that's how I always described it to somebody. Or you, you constantly did feel like it was over you, like you said, you could have a good ten minutes, but you could think right I I could pop to the gym now and then you'd be struggling for four or five days after and it just ticks away at you, ticks away at you. Um was there that's any similar.
1: Was that similar symptoms to what you uh, what you had?
0: Yeah, mental, mate. So I actually, my first, when I was, in, when I was playing over in Canada, the ground was rock solid, um, and I didn't know anything about them. I was 18, 19, and I got on the beers after it, and the, doc- the cl- doctor told me not to, um, yeah. and, the, and the side effects were horrendous. I nearly flew home. Um, probably had about three weeks off work, um, just laying in a dark room, no iPhones, no iPads, no TVs anything like that um, and then I was fine for a couple of years and yeah and then the same when I came over here then and I had some some really dark days from just yeah it's just you can't really explain it to people and, and until they go through it I think and yeah I'm, uh, that's what calm. I'm good now
1: yeah. you good. I'm but um,
0: obviously you you, you you seem to be in a really good headspace obviously walking away from the game that you love but was there any dark days for you Ben and you don't have to talk about this obviously but
1: yeah, uh, what, as in when I was playing or post playing. Oh, uh, I was going
0: more on obviously having to hang up the boots simply due to the concussions, or or throughout your whole career.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, the last two years of my career were, were really tough. Um, I probably yeah built up a lot of like anxiety of when I was going back to playing where I was going to finish the game and that sort of thing. So I, I did have some tough times with that and um, preparing myself ready to. What is next as well after rugby because I didn't have like a, a direct path that I wanted to have in play ready for when if I did have to retire. Early, yes. uh, so, you weren't doing anything like during whilst playing, you weren't doing any trades or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, I had. I think is I, I tried, I did everything when I was uh, I tried everything, so I, yeah. you know, I was coaching at the time, and as well as coaching, I did my like PET qualifications and I was doing like um. I got a barista qualification and yeah. things like that So just jack of all trades of all Yeah, trades, just because yeah. you know, it was it was available yeah. and i was, yeah i'll do that do but i had no actual direction of what i wanted to be yeah. after and i wasn't sure because i thought yeah, i'll be playing until i'm 34 35 and uh, i got plenty of time to plan ahead but um yeah so then I went to London, um, yep. and I remember speaking with the WRPA, so that's the uh, Welsh Rugby representative, and they were saying, right, in about six months' time, um, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to hit you, like you're not a rugby player anymore, and that identity of being a rugby player all your life is going gonna, is gonna to be quite tough. So um, make sure like you've got things in, in place, and if you want to chat and things like that, then you're more than welcome and we'll help you with the process. And in my head, I thought, nah, no, no chance i'll be fine i'll be fine and then yeah around that time that six month time seven month time yeah not the fact that i lost my identity but the fact that i just didn't know how to like express myself because i used to do it on the pitch i used to yeah Yeah. the the adrenaline on the pitch and the way you can just um yeah however you're feeling you can just use the pitch to take it out in um, yourself in yourself so having that taken away you have to obviously at least talk a lot more. And there's one thing that I'm not very good at is talking about emotions. So um, yeah, I found that really tough and I was getting really aggy and really short-tempered with, um, well, m- my wife just because she was the closest thing closest, to me in yeah. my house. And uh, yeah, just getting really short-tempered and I just couldn't work out what it was. So I remember phoning my mate, um, Eli. Um, he retired a year before me um and I just asked him how did he feel and what did did he feel the same things and he said oh exactly the same you just yeah. needed something to how how you can how you can deal with and how you can express yourself so um yeah he helped me and he was like oh just chat and start talking and at the same time um the gym I was working at manor, uh, they, they they're all ex-professional sports people as well yeah so from um MMA fighters to uh one of the one of the girls there's an ex-professional um figure skater and things like that which oh, is really oh, cool. yeah. we had all that in common so we um especially seeing the boxers and the mma fighters speaking about their emotions and explaining themselves in through words rather than through actions i it was it kind of made me think oh if these boxers these tough guys are speaking about how they feel and whatnot then it's um I need to start doing it. I need to start yeah. learning how to do it. So it's taken me a few, probably a few years actually, two years to actually get better and better at it. Um, but I've worked on it and my wife's helped me work in it as well. So yeah, I feel so awesome. much better. Because that first year, I was, as I said, I was using rugby to express myself. So I, I then turned to doing stupid challenges. Yeah. Just to uh, express myself. So I was doing like, um, like just going on a Saturday morning and just doing like a ski erg and spending like four hours on the ski erg or oh, wow. something stupid Yeah, like just Just to do it and just to like express myself rather than talking about it. And then, yeah, so the the, the challenges were getting to a point where I was spending like 12 hours doing uh, crazy challenges. So um, yeah, it was getting to a point where it was getting too far. So uh, I needed yeah. to start. It's to to raining it in a bit. bit. With, yeah, with the gym in. that you mentioned, what was the gym call you mentioned, sir? So the gym was Manor, so mana London. And yeah, they they, they were a quality gym. And we used to have a lot of ex-Special uh, Forces lads coming in. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Foxy from uh, SAS, who dares wins? Yeah. Yeah, so he he trains in our gym and we used to have uh, a lot of them guys coming in. So again, he uh, he spoke in a couple of the events. The, our It was called Strong Not Silent event about uh, men's mental health. And yeah, he spoke a few times and listening to him as well. Speaking about his emotions and stuff, yeah, it just made me and me to chat a lot more. Do you find, um,
0: like, I find like a lot of gyms now, like your CrossFit gyms or just even your regular gyms where people spend a lot of time? Um, do you find that helped a little bit? Because I assume, you know, when you're playing professional rugby, you might have your car club going to training, uh, be with the boys all day, and then you go home, where obviously you've gone from doing that all day, spending all the time with the boys, coming home to your wife. Well, I assume your wife works as well. You know, where, did that gym give you that bit
1: of a community feeling as well? Yeah, that's, uh, that's another thing I, people were saying you'll miss, especially speaking to ex-professional uh, players. They, they all say the same about the, you miss the, the, the environment of being with the lads and being with a team. Um, and I was lucky that being in a, in a gym with all like-minded people with a great crew, it was uh, yeah, it made it so much better. And it, you are right; you, you build a community within those those t- CrossFit style of gyms, and that's why they're so good. That's why they're so popular is because you feel at home there as well. Especially in a place like London, which is I know it's fifteen million people there, but so, yeah, normal rat race. No says, yeah. yeah, No one says hello to you on the street, so no. uh, it's uh, it's nice to go somewhere and you feel like you're part of a team again, and that helped me a lot as well. Definitely. Yeah. So. The
0: transition was um firstly into a personal trainer um that was going well. I assume you were doing that out with manager gym or another gym
1: yeah, so manager gym i was a uh, personal trainer I became then the head coach of the gym so um I was like the main programmer and I was um yeah doing the events and whatnot so it was uh, yeah it was yeah it was awesome I loved it there it was quality and um then we had locked Up. so I was there for two years um and then we had lockdown then. So lockdown one in the UK started in March on 28th. And then everything went on online then. Yeah. Um, and in that two years, I didn't well, I didn't really do much rugby at all. There was not much rugby in the center of London. I didn't I am um, I didn't have time to watch TV. So I had two years of virtually zero rugby. Yeah. Um, which I think helped as well, just getting away from it. And it helped in some ways. Um, just yeah, getting away from it and just focusing on. Cause I was so busy with the gym and it was, it was long hours and uh, I, I loved it there as well. It kind of kept me going and kept yep. me focused on what's next instead of looking back. Um, yeah, it was quality and, um, yeah, lockdown happened and then we had a lot more time on our own then and a lot more time to stop and reflect and what do I want to do? Uh, and then I started then thinking what would, if I was sitting in the house, what would kids do? Like if they're stuck in the house, And as a kid, I know for a while I don't want to be doing my gym sessions, press-ups and stuff. I want to be playing with a rugby ball or a tennis ball or a football. So I then decided to do, um, I was still with Manor at the time, just to do live sessions twice a week on a Wednesday and Saturday mornings where kids can do a bit of fitness and a bit of skill work as well, just on uh, Instagram Live. Yep. Uh, and that went well. The first couple, I had a few hundred people watching and then it just grew and grew. And then with that, then I knew the rugby players as well. Some of the lads weren't doing anything because they were stuck in the house. So I asked them to come on and do live sessions with me and they would give me their tips and their skills and then kids can follow it as well. Yeah. Uh, and I had the likes of like uh, like James Huckley, Alf Penny, Reese Webb, Ashley Beck. Um, who else? It was loads of Alex Donovan, um, Kira, yeah. So I had a mixture of male, female. I did it on the Ospreys Instagram page as well. Yeah. I cool. remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was quality. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, I think it got caught on well. And as uh, August came, then uh, the gym started opening again. So I was like, well, what, what do I want to do? Um, cause the gym started opening. I enjoy, I did enjoy going back to the gym, but didn't feel the same cause I kind of went back into rugby and I started thinking, Oh, I, I love rugby. And I, I've been out of it for two years and this is something I could go into. And um, yeah. I made it a tough decision then to leave my role as, in the gym and um, try and go back into, into rugby some, somehow and somewhere. And that's when in September, was that, six months ago, I decided to start the rugby trainer, which has uh, been quality.
0: Yeah, so obviously I, I, I follow the page. I've been following it for a long time. I remember you doing the live videos with Webby and Ashley Beckham and that sort like the transition obviously came simply because it was gaining so much traction.
1: Yeah. It was kind of just uh, an organic thing. I was just going with it, going with ride riding the wave and whatever people were enjoying. And I just got like a kick from getting the ball in my hand and just one thing I, I loved as a player, I was doing skill work and I always used to spend time after just with a couple of the players, not messing about, but just trying different things. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and I, I felt like it was going well, it was fun, and it was nice to go back into, into rugby. And it was good speaking with the guys as well, and the girls, the players um, on, on Zoom. And I was like, oh, I got a bit of a, an appetite yeah. back, but it's a bit of a passion back for rugby. Because uh, I, I think I avoided it for so long, So I kind of I was gutted, I left it, and I was yeah. tough. But I'd, um, yeah, back involved. Yeah, I loved it. And then, yeah, September time, then, started a the rugby trainer. And to be honest, when I first started it, I thought I was just going to do personal training for rugby players and then a little bit of skill work here and there. But over the last six months, it's grown more into – yeah, so it just keeps on developing. And at the point I am now, I've kind of got a better idea of where I want to take it. Where you want to take it. Yeah, okay.
0: Because you, you, So you obviously do a lot of content now on, on the good skills. Where, and what I like, I, like I said to you earlier – the sort of coaching you're giving is going to be a lot better than a normal seven or eight year old is going to get down at their local club off one of their uncles, you know, like you're actually taking them through the queues, showing them the points that they need to work on. Um, what does it, what's it, what's a day look like for you now? Do you, do you spend a lot of time doing content? Um, how many one-on-one sessions do you do or are you doing team sessions?
1: Yes. Um, Just because lockdown's only just dropping now in the UK. So everything's just been content-driven on Instagram. And because I haven't had time to uh, do one-to-ones and whatnot then, um, or team sessions, then um, I've spent my time in my house um, just thinking of how I can grow with my social pay. Because when lockdown does finish, then um, at least I've got a good starting point and a good um, base level of like uh, viewers and stuff so I can start uh, helping teams and coaching that way but yeah so what I what I like yeah what I would like to do is one-to-ones team little sessions you know but I don't want to be fixed at the moment with one team I want to make sure I can go to different teams and uh, help them that way and it's all yeah all skill work still going to be a lot of online content Um, so how my week looks um, Monday and Fridays would be my admin days and that would be like either filming content or planning my week or answering yeah. emails back and answering messages back on social media. And then Tuesdays all the way to Thursday evening, we'll just be coaching back to back. Um, so I, I'm, I'm up early. Um, it is long days, but I enjoy it. It's fun. And then weekends then I, at the moment I'm keeping them free just so I can spend some time with my, uh, my wife. So um, yeah, but yeah, so far so good. I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. Oh. Th- and you might not want to give too
0: much away here, but you said you've obviously got a bit of an idea where you want to take the rugby trainer. You've got a couple of ideas and you're going to try and go down a few different paths or?
1: Yeah, so, um, oh, one, one second, my wife's ringing downstairs for me. she no key to get in. One second. Sorry, sorry. Right. Yeah, so, we'll... uh, yeah, go
0: on. No, no, I was gonna say all good to go. Uh
1: yeah, so where where do I want to take it's it's quite tough because so much has changed since September, firstly. Like I've kind of just grown organic and grown where my audience want me to go and want me to coach on online. But where I want to go face to face wise, I'll still be posting content and posting um tips and drills. So the online content where I want to take that is Firstly, um, being able to, because obviously COVID hasn't allowed it, but being able to catch up with some of the players, male, female, and getting their tips and their skills and then how they see the game and how we can help the youngsters and players coming through. Yeah. On there, and then showcasing that on my social media. But then face to face, yeah, I wanted to carry on growing my one to ones, uh, team sessions, going to different clubs, as I mentioned. And just trying to gain as much experience as I can with coaching as well. But everything, yeah, at the moment, is just going to be, um, it's not going to be fixed on one team. It's going to be moving around. Yeah, moving
0: around, moving around. And then maybe if a couple of years down the line, if an opportunity comes around, do you think maybe an academy coach should start and, and look to build yourself up the ranks or that's too far ahead?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's too too far ahead. But yeah, i will never say no to uh, having the opportunity to uh, coach that elite level, which is amazing. So... Um, but yeah, one thing I have focused on with my content is I've noticed so much now how kids learn. They don't like... If you go on TikTok, you can learn so much from some educational side of things in 15 seconds. So yeah, um, I think it was a stat out the other day that kids don't watch full games of rugby anymore. Not like it's a high percentage of kids that they will just watch highlights wheels. Oh, 100%. So, so it's trying to find... I think that's why my content is done well it's just because i try to be um short and sharp with it short and, sharp. and the
0: thing is when coaching obviously you want to just get the main point across anyway you know and and if you can give cues or or, or points to young kids that so they think you know follow through point the fingers for example they'll mm. stick with them a lot longer than someone talking to them for 20 minutes trying to show them how to do it anyway
1: yeah, exactly. And I, if when I think back to when I was a kid, the cues I remember is the short, sharp ones. Like, one my favorite one is when my teachers told me for, for support play, just the the cue he told me was always getting the the try scorers four door when he uh, <laughs> in, the, in the evening post. So, just getting his shoulder, and that just stuck with me. And I know every time I was getting his four door, getting his getting photo.
0: his photo. Yeah, exactly, mate. And like you said, there's little things like that 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 actually that actually do make the difference. And like I said, I think the content that you're posting is, uh, is awesome. Is there anyone you look out to that are doing anything similar that, that, that you, you look to aspire to? Is there any other businesses you see do it or you're trying to make it? Um, a- yeah,
1: there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of great content out there from the rugby side of things as well. Um, Cause I, 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 I want to make sure that I've got, uh, if somebody, if for example, uh, example, you come to me and go, Ben. Can I? Uh, can you teach me how to how, how to catch in a line out or push in a scrum? I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah, gonna exactly. tell. Exactly. I want to be. I want to make sure you've got the best information possible. So I like to see who I can recommend. So I have a, have a look at, um, like for example, a hooker. I would use um, one of my mates out in America, Luke Lewis. If anyone asks me, um, like hooker teach me how to throw a ball in. I'm not yeah. going to teach. That. Go, go, on, go and follow this page and have a chat with him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I want to make sure that I've got all that covered. And so as I do the same with speed exercises, I'm not going to coach someone how to do speed, even though in my mind, I kind of know, but I'm not an expert. And I know for myself, I don't know for you, which you probably got totally different body shape. And, technique so i would just recommend you to an actual speed coach rather than yeah it's selling something i'm not yeah exactly
0: mate and i think that's great that like
1: you said you could you've got a good
0: following now you could easily sell start selling sprint programs um like you said you could teach forwards young forwards how to do it but they're not going to get the best experience of what they need it so you're going to stick to your lane um yeah and go down that skills which is obviously working for you there's a big one over here this end um rugby bricks yeah, up, yeah,
1: yeah, he's, uh, he's class, yeah, the, yeah, the legend, yeah, he's, he's quite, he's, uh, yeah, he's living the dream now, isn't he? He's, look, uh, he's doing some amazing stuff with uh, some of the top players, which is quality.
0: Yes, man, I like, I, because I actually got him coming on here in about three episodes. Oh, no worries. Um, I remember when he first started up the business, he was just anyone that was playing rugby, you say, send me a video of you kicking. So the boys were sending them in and and that was, I think, 2017, 2018. And I've just watched it grow and grow and grow. And he's now actually, um, I think he's assistant or kicking coach for the Wallaroos, like the Australian women's team. Um, he's kicking coach for Melbourne Storm in the NRL and kicking coach for Melbourne Rebels. Like all Man. just come through creating that content. And yeah, obviously he was a very good player himself and a great kicker, but yeah.
1: Yeah, he's quite. Yeah, if anyone asks me for kicking, I would yeah push them towards bricks, um, and yeah some of some of the other guys in the UK, depending on where they they're from and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he's class. Yeah, when I watch his videos, I'm like, oh, that's the dream.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah he's got he's got it pretty good there. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously he's got a bit of a, a, a bit of a product coming off it as well with the kicking tees, which have gone worldwide. Yeah. So what's, yeah.
1: what's made me realise though is like from starting all this that social media is a full-time job in itself is so yeah. tough. Like there's a lot of hours that need to be spent and is yeah, being showing up every day and yeah, it is, um, it is a tough, tough yeah. gig. So, um, yeah. Later.
0: People don't think there's not much work in, uh, in the content side of things or planning and uh, yeah, they think you got it pretty cruisy until they, they try and get it a go themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's a lot of times where, you don't get anything from it, and, and you're like, ah. Oh. And then all of a sudden, then it just builds up traction, which is because yeah, I've had my page for three years, and the first two years and two and a half years was PT side of things, and it was very slow, and I was just being consistent every day, and nothing was happening. And then, yeah, a little switch and more into a niche role, and a couple mm-hmm. of changes here and then, yeah, just yeah, just clicked, which is amazing. Yeah, you found your target audience and um,
0: yeah and the and the following's growing. Mate, I had two questions come in. Um, I know you've got to go and coach, so I will let you go. Um,
1: first one. Sorry, got time.
0: You got a bit of time. Um, yeah. was let me just find the actual question. What advice would you give to a 16-year-old uh, who wants to make it professional?
1: Oh, what advice should I give a 16-year-old? Um, firstly, I get asked this quite a lot. It is, it is obviously firstly down to to talent. Obviously, if you're if you're good, if you've got a good base level of talent, then that's going to make a massive difference. And then on that, then talent alone is not going to get you professional contact. It comes with a lot of Training, a lot of dedication, a lot of sacrifice as well. Um, yeah, just spend saying no to a lot of things. That is like going out with your friends and whatnot and just making sure that have got that time. is either spent recovering or training or watching games. Um, it, is, it is a lot of hard work and dedication. And um, goal setting as well is massive. Um, just seeing where you wanted to be. I always wanted to play for, for the Ospreys and having that in my mind. Um, but as well as that, it does it, a bit of luck is in, involved as well. Um, knowing, like somebody watching a game at the right time, and you play and you're performing well in that game, and that, that's that's the little window you need. When that when, sorry, that's the door you need. And sometimes when that door is there, that's when you have got to take the opportunity and the chance. So, um, but overall, it's your consistent performance, just playing well, because it's hard to get unnoticed then if you're playing well all the time. And then you move up to another team in a higher league and you're playing well in that league as well. So it's just consistent performance and improving and developing. And, yeah, yeah, I would say it is hard. I get that question question asked a lot. Oh, yeah. I can
0: imagine it's one of the main ones. But like you said, it's... um, I guess the top 2% of everyone that makes it professional, they sacrifice a lot. Um, I had Digby Wani on you yesterday, um, before you, and and yeah, he sacrificed a lot to to get where he was today. And yeah, he made it as the top, the same as yourself, mate. Um, not many people make it as a professional, and yeah, there's definitely some sacrifices along the way. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, because with that, I remember, I know, um, just remember spending, because I had a podcast yesterday and I was talking about exactly the same, talking about, spent half my from I was about 11 till I was about 15 just on my own down the park um just throwing rugby balls at posts and imagining I was making a break and chipping over the top and just yeah. spent a lot a lot of hours on my own being uh, yeah and this um yeah that that dedication and hard work has uh yeah, luckily paid off um but that's why I got all my inspiration from my videos and my lockdown videos. Is what, what was I doing when I was 11, 12? Yeah, I know because luckily I lived opposite a massive park, I was really lucky. So I just crossed the roads and I was there in, in a in a big, massive football field. So, uh, very lucky with that. So, um, yeah, yes. again, just those hours and hours away from training as well. It's not, and I'm lucky as well, I wasn't a gamer either, I wasn't sitting on a computer, I wasn't, I know the.
0: Generations are changing. But yeah, like you said, you'd rather be out throwing a ball even if it's against a wall or finding a target. And uh yeah. Um is that your dog? No, that's my dog. Um now and the last one was it only had the two questions in who was the best player that you played against?
1: Oh, best player played against. Um Oh well my uh hero growing up was, was Brian O'Driscoll. and I, I got to uh start against him. So yeah, he was he was thirteen Leinster, I was thirteen Ospreys, and I lasted two minutes. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I, I remember passing the ball and I just got hit to my shoulder and just switched switch the nerve off and I just couldn't use my arm then it just stuck down here. So it lasted two minutes against him. Uh but that that was a good two minutes though. It was yeah. uh I wish he was longer, but that, that was that would have been. I, I'm sure because it was a. It was Darcy and O'Driscoll in the centres. That's yeah. like that would have been a good battle. You would have, yeah, great battle um, played against. Uh, who's the best player I played against? Wow, it's a tough one because so, so many, many different
0: aspects of the game as well. I guess yeah,
1: so many top players I've played against. Um, like, but who's played? Who've I played against? And absolutely ripped it up. Um, I remember playing against um, Pia Tau and Ulster and that was probably the one game where we we were like as a a backline worried when we kick the ball to him we have to all go up in a line together and that was the one game I always remember stands out that right when he's got the ball we all have to literally get in a line and make sure we're supporting each other and keeping our eyes open for everything yeah. Um, so, yeah, as, a, as an outstanding attacking threat and we had to kind of watch him like a hawk, I would say, um, Charles Piotr. Yeah, he's
0: still tearing it up. Yeah. Um, I'll just uh, rattle off a couple of questions then. That's the best player you've played against, best player you've played with. Um, I'll break it down. No, not so much the best player, but who was the most exciting player that you've played with firstly? Uh, like when they catch the ball, they're always going to bring a spark.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, as... Um, oh, great question. As a, um, as a kid, as a, like, growing through, and I, I played with him till uh, under-20s and um, under a 13, and I used to love playing with uh, Matthew Morgan at 10. It was just, as soon as he got the ball, I was like, yes, let's go, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I fled, fled through with him. Um, yeah, he was he's so exciting when I was playing in the 20s and a uh, off-space with him. Uh but senior rugby then. Um boy, someone like because I didn't get a chance to play with the Galactical players like Shane Williams and all that, but um Keelan Giles is really exciting to, to play yeah. alongside he's back yeah. playing now, isn't he? How old is yeah. how old is Keelan? Yeah. He seems like
0: he's been around for ages. I thought he was about my age.
1: Yeah, I think he must be about twenty five now, um, around that age, but maybe even younger. But yeah, he had two years out. But before that, as soon as he caught the ball, he could beat you. Yeah. Yeah. He could beat you in like this much space. Um, himself, tip as well. Incredible player. Exciting. Anything can happen with him. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And you got a few, we had a few great scam offs. Like we swear, You just tap and go whenever. Maybe he had his hands on the ball. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, yeah. I would say exciting wise, when he had his hands on the ball, it would be Keelan. Yeah, um, I'm just rattling these off.
0: Um, best leader, I, yeah, I guess that's a pretty simple
1: one. That well, yeah. I'm Alan, so. Alan, Alan went incredible. Um, just every game, whether you're playing zebra away or you're playing in a, a big Heineken Cup or Challenge Cup game, yeah, he was the same same leadership. Um, level so uh, same yeah, in I training was, just every day there to uh, do his job yeah same in training yeah he would yeah he would challenge you in training and yeah make sure you're on top top form top game yeah what, what a leader quality yeah.
0: no, perfect um I, best person to tour with best person to tour with <laughs> end of season trips
1: oh we used to um it was a great great uh, friend um, good player as well Matthew Dwyer do you, do you remember him? Matthew I know Dwyer? Matt Dwyer yeah what a guy yeah, he's what a character there. isn't he yeah, well, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah so when he was there he's an the incredible guy um, yeah so himself he's uh, a character uh, isn't he yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gareth Thomas as well prop he's a great uh, great guy to have around um, who else is there um Whoa. Did you ever play with Henson? And I didn't know he moved on when I was uh, just coming through the ranks. Uh, James Ock is quality. Uh, luckily, um, yeah, he's he's my hero growing up. And then he moved away, and then I got two year, I, one year, one season with him when he came back. So I was, I was awesome. Yeah, I was quality, and he's a he's a great guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say yeah, uh, Matthew Dwight, I would, uh, yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been on a couple of nights out with him. He's, he's, he's a funny bloke. Oh, and Josh, Josh Matt, as well. Yeah, when when them two were together, that was uh, gold. Yeah,
0: mate. See that video of that Josh Matt doing that dummy. Is it? Is he playing for <laughs> Bar? Yeah, that's no, it. That's a classic. That is. That's one yeah, of my favorite videos going around. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. mate. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Like I said, um, yeah, really, really wanted to hear your story. Um. Yeah, it's a very, very good listen. Um, Like I said, not many people get to make it as a professional. You've gone eight, eight, nine years. Um, Yeah, you've looked to your future. Um, Yeah, concussions are going well. And like you said, you're managing to stay in rugby now, doing what you love and and going down a
1: different avenue. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm loving rugby at the moment. It's just quality and it's nice to be involved back. Okay, I'm not playing, but... Um, yeah I'm, I'm loving it it's, just, uh, it's quality excited to see what's, what's coming in the future Yeah, no, happy days
0: mate, perfect hey guys, um, if you're still listening big thanks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast is brought to you by Goosey Sports for all of your team wear needs um, please like, share and spread the word about this podcast so we can keep it going and keep growing thanks again, bye